0: You're listening to the Love Fly podcast. It's Paul Tizard, a Flying Coach, and welcome. Uh, today, the table's been turned, and I'm actually going to be interviewed by Susan Mundrum, co founder. So I'm going to shut up. Welcome to the podcast, Susan.
1: Sure, whether you're joining me or I'm joining you. I don't this know. Evening, but, I'm a bit um, scared. I'm a bit scared. <laughs> nevertheless, I'm looking forward to this. So I've just got a few questions. I hope that's okay. and um, I'm going to take you by surprise, maybe with some of them.
0: Yeah, I um, think that's quite good actually, because that's what I do to people. So it's it's quite weird to be on the receiving end.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just aware that you know. You are the the co-founder of Love Fly. People listen to your podcasts and have a look at the Facebook page. But perhaps people don't know a lot about you. So I thought it might be nice to have a, you know, find out a little bit more about you, really. Yeah, but what
0: what if the the membership goes down as a result of it?
1: (laughs) Well, that's always a concern, isn't it? Let's see. (laughs) So I wanted to start off this evening, actually, just by finding out a little bit you know, in terms
0: of the background, what got you started in aviation initially? Oh gosh. Uh, well, originally, I was working at the airport and working for Harrods, and one of the one of the, the guys working on the, the shop floor said, "You ever thought about being cabin crew?" And I was like, "No." It was like the last thing on my mind, you know, because I've been in the military and I was working at Harrods, and I was like not at all you know but he said I think you quite like it and and it kind of popped an idea in my head and um, and I just thought you know as I was in my early 20s I don't really know what I was going to do so I thought well why not so I I did so I applied to Virgin uh, to be cabin crew and when I and I got in me and my flatmate both applied at the same time both got in and then we were put on hold because the uh, the Gulf War I think and they said all right so there's if you're still interested you know, just let us know you know but they said it took two years I was on hold for two years and in that time I did a couple of other jobs but they just every sort of three or four months they wrote and said look if you're still interested you need to just write back and say yes so I just was like yeah all right and then it, just, it it all kind of beautifully fitted in you know I was doing another job and at the point where I was just coming to the end of that it was a contract I got a letter from them saying, right, we, we, you know, you can start next month if you want. I was like, oh, my goodness. So was, uh, so that's, that's how I started in aviation. It wasn't something that occurred to me because I hadn't flown till I was 18 in the military. Mm. And so I'd never been on a plane. And, you know, so it wasn't a big thing in my mind and hadn't done a lot of travel. But at that point, so I just thought, oh, this would be a good way to get to go around see places. And it was mm. no no deeper than that.
1: Yeah, but that, I mean, that's really interesting for me that actually your entry into, into this came from perhaps your own desire to, to see the world, you know, and, and get out of it and do things rather than coming from a, a place initially of wanting to help people.
0: Yeah, and... definitely. I didn't want to help people. No, not, no, no, not at all. No, it wasn't that. It, it, it's kind of always done roles which involve service in some way. So it wasn't that much of a surprise, but growing up in the West Country of the UK is, you know, the, it's a lovely area, but also it just wasn't a thing. You know, we just didn't, mm. we just didn't do flights when I was growing up, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Not really. And, and I suppose my question from that is then, you know, from working as cabin crew, how did you become interested in, in helping people to overcome their fear of flying? Where did Where did that come from?
0: Well initially it was from it wasn't that it was i I was interested in becoming a trainer so when i'd been in the military at about 18 years old i remember seeing this instructor sat on the edge of his table chatting with us and we were you know we were. all it was really it was a really nice atmosphere and i just remember looking at it thinking "I, i fancy doing that so i'd done a lot of train the trainer type courses in the military but i couldn't quite see how it was going to pan out and so when i joined the airline I saw two people doing the training and it was like Ruth and Pete who both like listened to the podcast and I mm-hmm. remember thinking to them oh I'd like to do that you know Pete was doing much more like the customer care like facilitation stuff and and Ruth was doing the flight skills stuff with service training and I just thought oh, right. I looked at that I thought I fancy doing that and in then within a couple of years I was in the training department so I was very lucky to get in quite quickly and once I was in the training department, then I used to see Richard Branson around all the time. And he always used to say, have you got any ideas, contact me, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I used to bug him all the time really. And, uh, and I won a couple of trips away as well, you know, you get nominated for these things. I used to see him on those and go, Richard, what about this thing? And he'd go, oh God, sod off, you know, leave me alone. And. Uh, and then the, the start of it really was one of those really weird things because I, I knew a guy who was a hypnotherapist, a guy called David Lando, and we were chatting, chatting once and he said, you know, we should do something together. And he was really keen to get a relaxation channel on board the aircraft and I said, yeah, all right, I'll write to you know the powers that be and see what happens and as a footnote. I said and we should be running courses as well and um, Richard Branson wrote back within about a day and said yeah love the idea and what, so he went. He wanted to do the courses and the relaxation channel came about two years later so but it was just I suppose I've always interested in psychology you know as you, um, you may or may not this. my mum was a hypnotherapist so I was always around sort of uh, that type of stuff mm. so it wasn't you know, it wasn't alien to me to be interested in psychology and wanting to help people and both mm. my parents had been in service industry my dad was in the police mum was in the nurse before they did their other stuff and so it just I suppose it it all kind of came together really I suppose mm.
1: Mm. okay and now how long ago was that now without giving away too much when when do you remember when you ran your first yeah well course? so I
0: approached I wrote to Richard Branson in 1996 uh, near the end of 96 and he, and then he put me in touch with Steve Ridgway the a CEO or something at the time and we and he said go away for six months, come up with some proof that people want this and then the actual first course was 1st of November 1997 which had eight people on it <laughs> and they're all recruited through, they came through special assistance so a lot of people who are scared of flying will phone the airlines and say I need some help can you let the cabin crew know and, and i just said Oh, make a note of anyone that comes through and tell them that we might be running a course and so we managed to get eight people together as a sort of like a pilot to see how it went hmm.
1: and uh, i i seemed i believe that that was run somewhere quite interesting you didn't run it in a classroom or on board an aircraft did you there was
0: It was, yes, it was a sort of an aircraft mock up. So it was a classroom that was converted. So they just shoved a couple of galleys in it, you know, kitchen areas and some, and about 25 aircraft seats, I think it was. So it wasn't anything like an aeroplane. But Mm -hmm. when you went inside, it looked like that. It didn't smell like aeroplane smell, you know, like that odor Boeing. But it had that, yeah, you could sort of walk in it. And I think they might have even called it might have even had a name for it maybe Diana Rigg you know (laughs) shows the age (laughs) yeah
1: yeah and so you know we'll come back to that I'm obviously aware that you know you ran courses in conjunction with Virgin for many years I believe Um,
0: directly for you know as an employee until 2001 from so from mm -hmm. 1970 so that was it was like a sideline i was in training department then i moved from customer service into sort of learning development hr type training but it was always like a thing that i did as well as my job you know
1: mm, mm, yeah and so tell me a little bit you've called it you know it's called love fly what what was the inspiration behind that name what was behind that for you
0: well the last course I ran was called Flying Without Fear which was still not bad, I didn't come up with that title, David Lando did, and but it was kind of taken like a few others and it also had sort of slightly negative things so it was kind of flying without the fear so fear was mentioned so I didn't want anything with fear in the title and also wanted it to be bigger than just fear of flying because the whole thing I think going back to this amazing thing that is aviation's so that we have the ability to do stuff which you know I certainly when I was growing up never did this you know and so I really like the idea that it's positive and it's bigger than just fear of flying it's like it's what else you know love to, to love flying because <coughs> that gives you the opportunity to do stuff and it's just yeah just bigger than. The fear is something that just gets in the way of it. And once the fear is yeah. out of the way, then you just want to expand the horizons and do stuff that mm. perhaps you couldn't do.
1: Right. So, so thinking about, uh, you know, I'm aware with the Virgin course that you had a particular particular structure and particular approach there. You know, you ran quite large courses. I think you know, 100, 150 people sometimes even the, you know a day course with a flight at the end of the day lovefly you know you seem to have experimented with a lot of different approaches and I I was interested in that I just wondered whether you could tell us a little bit about you know what inspired you to take a different approach what you think's worked well what hasn't
0: so over, over the years we've I'll come back to that one with why now but the, the sort of like quick history so the fly out fear when I started I did five years and I just had like I did it in a classroom and with the with an aircraft mock-up because I wanted people to get the information they needed without the the pressure of having to take a flight. Because at the time, it was only British Airways that was running courses and that they had a one-day course with a flight at the end. And I thought, well, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something different. So we tried it for five years and we probably got twenty or thirty people on the course, maybe once a month. But then. It seemed to be that people wanted the flight and so when the programme expanded very much became like well we going to have a flight we need like lots of people so the courses could be anything from like 50 up to 250 people on them you know and and people seem to want that kind of one-stop shop but the thing I always used to feel when I was watching that it's not that it wasn't effective because lots of people told me it was but I used to think it's about timing because that type of course is full exposure and I used to feel quite guilty for people because for some people it'd be more traumatising for them or be just too much and I used to think what about those folks because a lot of people think oh I'll just do it in a day but they didn't learn the fear in a day it's built over time and so I just thought maybe people needed something different so when I left that one and then had, had a year out I found people were still contacting me even though I wasn't on anything that they just sort of googled me and said oh you know I came on a course ten years ago or I know that you do the fear of flying type stuff and can I just talk to you or is there anything and it just got me thinking that maybe there's other ways that we can help people you know there's nothing wrong with those one day courses and EasyJet have got one now and the British Airways still be doing theirs forever but I just thought maybe it's be nice to do something else so that's why started experimenting so I put together a 30-day program so I thought well anything you know like if I do an exercise like an exercise app it has to be 30 days before you even start to notice feeling fitter or something and I was thinking well and everything I've read up since has suggested that it's like two you know two to three months of continued effort to to shift something as powerful as that and then you've got to keep maintaining that new way of that pattern because it's And so the more I thought about it, the more I learned, the more I thought there's nothing wrong with those one day things. And I might go back to doing that. But I would definitely always offer a 30 day thing. The podcast, because I think people get it's regular and people get stuff. I like having the Facebook group because I thought I never did that before and didn't really understand how to do Facebook lives and stuff. So it's just been I've just had permission to experiment because it's. Mm. Like, it was not linked to a brand, so I didn't have to get permission from anybody to say, I said, OK, if I do podcast, you know, Mr Virgin or Miss Virgin. And so it, it's been quite freeing just to try these things out mm-hmm. like, so, and then see what people like. And it yeah. seems to be the podcast is popular. The Facebook group is going well. The Instagram is slowly growing. You know, and there's probably other things it could be doing as well. The 30-Day mm-hmm. Programme has a nice little trickle of people and we run the odd webinar and webinars as good as anything that I ever did at Virgin absolutely but people still want that kind of one-stop shop so Mm. it's not the take-up of the webinar has been lower than I expected so I'm still trying to work out what needs to happen there if anything you know so it might be just one of those things that people don't really want to sit and watch a screen for two and a half hours who knows mm,
1: yeah we're all a bit screened out after the last i
0: think so yeah it's like spend all day on teams and zoom you think oh join a webinar no thanks <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and you also mentioned that you know i all the different sort of things you've experimented with and thought about you know and i can hear that there's new ideas as well we'll come back to that in a minute but I'm also aware there's a number of other things that you've done that people might not know about around kind of a fear of flying. I'm aware that you've written a book, you've spoken at conferences, you're doing a piece of research at the moment. I wonder whether you could just tell us a little bit about what else you've done.
0: So I think just because I know lots of people in aviation, I've been around it and I love aviation, I think it's amazing and the people are fantastic. Uh, so I've been lucky to talk at a few of the IATA conferences. and that's IATA because,
1: is for
0: those of us who don't know. Oh, I hope you were not going to ask that. <laughs> it's a, it's a, um, sorry, Johnny Jasper, if you're listening. Johnny Jasper w- went from being in charge of like lots of safety things at Virgin to went out to IATA in Canada. Uh, IATA is the International Aviation travel authority I don't know sorry it's
1: an an international body
0: is it yeah yeah so it's it's like that what they do is they're they're a membership body that offers advice and procedures so when the covid thing happened they put out lots of advice that then airlines could use they put they do stuff around security they were talking about HEPA filters when we were people worried about traveling and catching the coronavirus so they're, they're an advisory body and they support like a massive membership, of loads and loads and loads of airlines. And then they put these conferences on a few times a year and get safety professionals along to, to update them and do that sort of stuff. CPD, I suppose you call it, Continuum Personal Development. And I've spoken at a couple of those conferences. Could have done more. I could have gone this year, but it clashed with some other work, which is gutting. I wouldn't quite like to have gone to Portugal. And so there's that. What was the other thing you asked me about?
1: Uh,
0: just what else you've done? You've written a book as well. Yeah, that's a f- that's on the the dot uk website. A lot of people have downloaded that, or the the audio version of it is in that in the podcast episode sixty nine. Quite a lot of people have like that. I can't listen to it because it's me narrating it, <laughs> which is about the worst thing. I was trying to get Hugh Grant or some amazing actor to come and do it, you know, but that's me and but some people have said they found it helpful because it's fairly light-hearted like, I think because I always think you should keep things light-hearted because people the people are normal that come through this but they're intelligent possibly overthinkers, but they're not you know they're, they're not crazy people or anything they're just normal people that just got into some sort of interesting habits that they can't get rid of to a greater or lesser degree you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the research is around so I'm doing this master's in applied positive psychology in coaching psychology which is a bit of a mouthful but that was just about improving my own skills as a facilitator and a coach but I've always loved the positive psychology stuff but just didn't know enough about it and so the research I thought I'd do is combine it. So I'm do, I've interviewed, I've done five, coached five people to see if Coaching in its purest form can actually help nervous flyers, and that's what I'm working at at the moment. And some elements of it can, but that's what I hope to um, finish this month. So mm. this if, not depend on when this goes out. We're in August right now, beginning of August. So I'm in the, the eye of the storm. <laughs> so dissertation, two assignments. <laughs> oh, then. yes. <laughs> One thing for me that's always very
1: inspiring, I think, is. Uh, you know, I think people will be aware from your podcasts of how many people you've managed to, you know, th- that you know or have some association with. You know, it's spread far and wide in all sorts of different interests and areas in aviation. And I imagine too that over the years you, well oh, I can't imagine how many nervous flyers you've come into contact with over the years it must be
0: thousands and thousands, thousands. Yeah. yeah thousands, thousands, yeah. thousands. used to see but, about 2000 a year on the Virgin courses right
1: so yeah, for 20 that's,
0: years it's a lot of humans
1: it's a lot of people and a lot of hands-on experience and knowledge that you've that you've mm. gained there that you've you know been able to use but i wonder thinking about you know these thousands of people that you've met What's inspired you most about the people that you've come into contact with? What continues to inspire you about these people?
0: I love the individual struggles, I have to say that. I didn't get as much of that when I was running the large style courses. The only people I would, I, I would tend to sort of, after I'd done my the psychoed talk on the day, psychoeducational, I would kind of lurk. So as we sort of all traipsed off to the airport, I would spot the people that were kind of isolating themselves or looked a bit more worried than others and then just sort of target them in the nicest possible way and go Mm -hmm. and talk to them and just and quite often I just coach them and just say you know why did you choose today what was it you're hoping to get and where are you with that and where where's your head right now it seemed to be enough sometimes there would be enough for them to just sort of make a decision and say do you know what I'm going to still you know thank you for stopping and talking to me and that I always like that bit more than anything, you know, because when I'm doing the big talks, obviously I love public talking, public speaking, but that's a different sort of thing, and you don't see individuals, you see a big blob of people, and you just, your job is to get information across as as elegantly as possible, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to somebody one-to-one, then you're kind of, you're trying to understand the world from where they are. And so the bit that I've been, I've loved since doing the love flyers I feel like I've got to know people better so the, everyone I've spoken to on the podcast people I did the research with who've been so generous with their time it's really helped me to sort of understand you know and I've, I've heard some amazing stories and it's the thing that's given me is think things can be different I've always had that sort of belief you know if you don't like something change it you know if you can and that's always been a sort of thing I've always been a bit quite impatient with myself you always think well if I don't like something just bloody change it but you can't always do it that quickly or as easily as that. But so when I see people who are stuck, I feel frustrated for them. So when I hear people that are stuck and then they're shifting, they're chipping away at it, I just think it's amazing because I've never had a fear of flying, so I can't imagine what it must be like. You've know, had to overcome other things, but I just look at them and think, you know, you gen- you genuinely think you're going to die up there, mm. and then when that person. Does stops thinking that and acts differently that's it's just massively rewarding you know
1: and I know there are you know fabulous stories on the Facebook group mm. you know day in day out of people that have you know, know it's amazing gone away on it? their honeymoon done all sorts of things gone on a flight for the first yeah. time in you know a decade or so really very inspiring
0: but, you know, in fairness, though that it is a team thing. So, yes, I'll take credit. I did start it and I was, and I was, I didn't really know how to do podcasts. I just thought I'd start and see what happened. And mm. I've never really done Facebook. I did a little bit of training with somebody for about half an hour and then I just thought, sod it, I'll have a go. So, I've kind of learned as I've gone along. Mm. But the thing that people doing the work now is other people in the group, you know, mm. so somebody yeah. puts a message up and by the time I've got in there, there's already like three or six really positive comments from up to, So it's it's the groups so, sort of for supporting. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Mm. It's really amazing. Mm. Yeah,
1: lovely. So I've got a couple, two more questions for you. So the first one is, what are your five top tips?
0: Oh, what?
1: Yeah, all these decades of experience. <laughs> we want five top tips. Five. Yeah.
0: OK, I don't know if I can if they're in the right order or I'm glad you didn't ask me this beforehand or tell me what you're going to ask, because it's it's better just to think I'm buying time now. Can you tell? <laughs> uh, so so the first one is uh, I'd say top tip is the fact to sort of imagine why you're doing this. What is the driver? Be really clear. What's the purpose of doing? You know, why bother? You know, it's that sort of thing. What you know, what's in it for you? And generally, that falls into two things. You're either moving towards something or moving away. And it's a very simple way of doing it, but it's quite a sort of a basic human thing that's been around for thousands of years. This idea we move towards pleasure and away from pain. So, what is that for you? What's the reason for doing this? You know, is it to be able to go to that wedding? Go to be able to experience things? Is it be able to. Know, go and see family members that you haven't seen for years. Is it a really positive thing you want to do? Is it a work thing that you've had to turn down and now you're thinking I want to take that job or want to do that, or is it you just don't want to feel, to to lose sleep and to hate the thought of flying and have that living with anticipatory anxiety and and you know having to sort of literally cacking yourself every time you fly? So what is the reason? So having that really clear either of towards or away from things that's the first thing second thing I say is get some help and whatever that is just start today and start small and do something regularly I always say to people do it every day and I feel like I'm a bit of a a hypocrite because I don't know if I could be as committed as some of the people that have come through the group but I know when it matters to me that I can be and I will consistently do stuff so I know that if it's something I was motivated to do So when I see nervous flyers like that, I say, get some professional help and start today. Do stuff today. I don't know if that's two and three there. I don't know. (laughs) It's possibly, yeah. Get some professional help. Start today. So it's like doing little and often, uh, and chipping away at it. And that's what I've Mm. seen. The people that do that seem to have sustained results. Yeah. Whereas if you sort of like just ignore it, not think about it. Well, you know, sometimes people will say, "Look, I've got a flight Monday." and I've been avoiding it I understand that because that's the fear and all I can help with in that is some coping strategies but long term you've got to just plug away and do stuff. Okay, so, number, four. number four, don't believe anything in the media, don't watch those air crash investigations, don't let anybody talk to you about their let me tell you my my um Magaluf plummet story you know like because one of the things that is a consistent thing that happens is people who are nervous flyers there's always some bastard in their family that comes up to them and says oh you won't guess what happened on my flight and they're like you know i don't like flying why would you do that but they seem to think that that's okay and actually it doesn't help so you've got to say no i don't want to hear it i'm not interested which is quite hard to do Mm. so it is like you can't you have to be really careful what you let into your head Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it's it's so pliable, our brain, that if we let all this crap in, then we think that's true and we'll look for more of it and we'll find it, you know. So we just, it's hard, but you just can't do any of that stuff, you know. And lastly, okay. I'd say the fifth tip would be to to learn to manage yourself in some way. So I don't mean as in control yourself because, you know, to get your breathing sorted so you know how to manage your breathing and and to have a strategy for dealing with your thoughts so it doesn't mean that you have to change them into positive ones i know some people do that or they use the elastic band and twang themselves and these are all great techniques but i think it's a minimum just to have a sort of compassionate acceptance of the fact that my brain is running riot here and it's got lots of stuff running around whatever your strategy is have one so find something that works for you And do that. So, if you can manage yourself in some way, breathing and thoughts, you then are in a good place to deal with whatever happens when you're up there.
1: Lovely, great tips.
0: Are they? (laughs) Right, here's five more. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, last question. So, looking for some spoilers here. What's what's your vision for Lovefly going forward, and where do you see things going next? oh
0: that's a good question
1: what should we be looking out for
0: so i'm going to update i'm going to redo the 30-day program not all of it just some elements of it like because I, quite a bit of it i had to record during the pandemic and so the wi-fi and stuff wasn't always great in certain parts of it it was okay and people have said they found it useful but so i'd like to update it and also look at it and see if there's some bits that could be swapped out so that's just sort of not maybe people won't even notice that. I'm going to th- consider when the membership of the groups and stuff is larger. Do we have enough like coverage that people would then trust us to do maybe something with a flight? Because you know I haven't ruled that out because it can. Mm. You know, provided someone's ready, I think you know the the benefit to people going on a flight and hearing some a pilot narrate exactly what's happening is massively powerful people always say oh, i fly all the time but yeah but you're just repeating what you've always done whereas if you fly in a controlled environment otherwise we are managing it and you've got a pilot telling you right we've now we're now at 15 degrees climb we've now dropped to 10 degrees time we've just turned the engines down a bit with the undercarriage you know all those sort of things hmm. because you don't actually know you don't you don't really know. You might say, "Well, I travel all the time, and I know exactly what happens." Well, you don't, because your body and your brain is tricking you, unless you've done something like that. So, a narrator. so that that's, that's not ruled out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I don't think we're ready for that yet in terms of the numbers. I would like to. I've always wanted to have a membership site. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Like a, it sounds a bit cheesy, but like an inner circle, like just like fifty people that we spend more time with. And just for a nominal fee to keep it, you know, keep it t- mm. ticking over. But that's so I, I'm really quite keen. I was really surprised when I stepped away from the last program because I'd done it for so long. I had a, I wasn't sure whether I still enjoyed doing it or whether mm. it become like a job. And when I had a year away from not doing it, I really missed helping people. So once, so it came it came back quite organically. So it's like it's been something that's sort of a have attached to for 25 years Mm -hmm. now I don't quite know why it's just something that you know most for the first 50 I know that I hate this phrase but most of the time I felt like what who am I to be talking to these people you know for like you know that old imposter syndrome thing which has become a bit cliche now but I literally did use every time I used to stand up in front of hundreds of people thinking what right have I got to stand in front of these people you know and say stuff but now I just stop thinking it. <laughs> I don't have any more right, but I just think, well, you know, why not me? You know, there's at some point you have to go, well, I've been doing it 25 years now. I must have picked up a few things that can help people. And, and because I've always had this belief that they're normal people, I just want to do stuff that they might like. So it's a membership site, possibly course with flights maybe do update the 30-day programme maybe offer some other things we do do one-to-one courses we've done a couple of them with simulators and stuff Mm -hmm. which have gone down well we've only run a couple of those this year because it takes a little bit of time to set it up and not everybody wants to spend it's got that sort of it's not massively expensive but it is an investment and not everyone wants to do that so Mm. Mm. that's a potential area that might do more of what do you think we should be doing you know as the other founder
1: I seem to remember an idea being floated not long ago about a course, a variation of the 30-day course. You know, not the 30-day course, where you know maybe a six-week course, where we would meet, people would have homework to do, maybe mm. come back. You know, there would be a sense of a sort of more a modular approach, but slightly sort of more guided with, with bits to do. But you know, exciting. Sounds like there's lots of lots of possibilities for the future. Well it's
0: tricky to know what people want because a lot of people i get a lot of calls and emails saying I'm flying next week what can you do for me and I think well not they can't do something because some people have, have done you know have come into the Facebook group and had some tips and other people have helped them said do this go on the flight radar look at your flight for the next six days watch how normal it is that it's going to land you know all these little tips sort your breathing out listen to this episode of the podcast and so it is possible to get yourself ready but i want people to have more than that and but unfortunately mm-hmm. most of us when it comes to investing in ourselves will probably spend more servicing our vehicles than we will looking after ourselves and so the thought of like committing to a six-month program or a three-month program w- would not be appealing to most people but in you know that's my assumption mm. at the moment and I'd love to be proved wrong on that but a lot of people are kind of I remember we used to get so many last minute bookings on the course with the flight mm. you know so you know literally on the Friday night and it was running on the Sunday How oh, can we book can we book and just say oh you know I don't want really what I'm not convinced you'll either turn up or you'll get something from it because you are cup you're literally rushing at it and
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so So yeah but some people yeah did prove me wrong time and time again but i just so i don't know the answer really to to what is the ideal or whether there should be a selection of things but i -hmm. guess the freedom
1: no no one ideal for everyone but it's a a no bring a range
0: of i mean you've got a, a strong therapeutic background and practice and stuff so there may be something that people need which might be more to that lines or they might just I don't I just don't know so I think it's quite exciting that we've got our combined experience that we can then think what what could it be but yeah so that's where my head is at the moment
1: yeah I'm appreciating the Love Island (laughs) references
0: (laughs) well I'm just trying to show I'm current you know but failing miserably the Love Island <laughs> this is this awful programme that, uh, no, it's it's, uh, it's in the UK. So for those, I think they have an Australian I, they version. They do,
1: yeah. I think there's. there's do they,
0: is versions, there an American yeah. version? Get a lot of people sure. listen in the US. Mm, I
1: think they're. Maybe, maybe. Not sure. Okay. Well, it's been a lovely meeting with you tonight, Paul. I hope it's not been too traumatising for you to be on the receiving end for a change.
0: It's interesting because it's like. You know we've known each other a long time and so it's, it's, there's sort of a strange like you're asking me questions that I think you would know but actually once you asked them I was on I was finding myself saying things I hadn't said for years you know so it was, it was quite interesting and uh, now I think I, I think I enjoyed it It was a little bit scary to be on the receiving end of it you know no power I'm, I need to be in control but uh, yeah so no thank you